Hi, I'm Pete Seligman. Welcome to the Next Step Podcast. In this season, we're going to be focusing on search, search funds, entrepreneurship through acquisition, and all things related to that community and that ecosystem, particularly focusing on how can we build the marketplace in Australia and start to encourage more searchers to come to market and get to the point where they can own, operate their own business. On this episode of The Next Step, I speak to Michael Chu, who's the Managing Director of Flywheel Effect, which is a self-funded search vehicle based in Melbourne and looking for deals across Australia. I've known Michael for about six months since he first thought about starting a search, and it's been great to get to know him and his approach to this challenge of search, because I think it's a really thoughtful approach, and I've seen him evolve his thinking around the model as he's gone through his search, both in terms of what it means for him and the businesses that he's seeking out, but also as it means for the search model more broadly. What we've done is, given that he is a self-funded searcher, I've used this opportunity to really dig into that model as opposed to the traditional model. And we've looked at the pros and cons of each and tried to understand what might make a searcher select one model or the other, but also what the pros and cons might be for an investor of those two models. So Michael and I cover a range of ground. I really enjoy catching up with Michael. I've spent a bit of time talking to him about his search along the way, and this was a great opportunity for us to explore some more kind of conceptual aspects of the search fund model, self-funded search, what it means for you and in particular your family and the impact of that and also look at the way in which he's thinking around search and his approach has evolved over the last few months. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for joining us this morning, Michael. It's great to have you on this episode of The Next Step. I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to have a chat. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, usually these things should be fun, not a chore. So hopefully we can make it that way this morning. One thing I'm particularly excited about with this conversation is the perspective you bring from a self-funded viewpoint. So I think a lot of the questions that come from people when they're considering a search or considering investing in a search is that difference between the funded model and the self-funded model. So given that you've gone down that self-funded track, I'd be interested in your views on why you did that and, and how that's going so far. But before we jump into that, it'd be great to step back a few steps and hear from you as to how did you learn about search and how did it become an option for you in the first place? Yeah, I, so uh, where are we now? We're kind of June. I probably learned about search in October last year. A lot of people learn about search through either doing M&A or private equity or having gone to an MBA school in the US. And that certainly wasn't the case for me. I um, found it through happenstance. I was actually looking at purchasing half of a business before COVID. And then during COVID, it kind of fell over and it left me with a gap about what to do. And I went to try and find a bus- another business to buy through a business broker and kind of ended up looking at cafes and restaurants and franchises. And I was like, actually, these are not the types of businesses that I want to buy. Where are the beefier, more interesting kind of businesses? And the broker said, oh, this is what we've got. This is what we have. So I was kind of left with a hole. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of kind of self-learning. And in one of the podcasts I was listening to, the guest recommended reading the book. I think it's called Harvard Business Review, Guide to Buying a Small Business which is all about this topic, entrepreneur through acquisition. And as soon as I read that book, I kind of said, this is exactly my, this fits me perfectly. And then I started getting going deep into understanding what that is. 
And that led me kind of to the Stanford research and reports and the search community overall, both in the US and locally. Probably what really got me going was speaking to some local searchers, speaking to some people in in the industry who are at different stages and they were extremely warm and welcoming and encouraging and taught me a lot. And that kind of got me onto the onto this path. It's interesting whenever I ask people what their advice would be to someone who's considering search as an option, the first piece of advice that everyone seems to offer is just start speaking to people about it. Reach out to people that have done it or are in it or are trying it or have invested in it and start talking to them. And I think the reason why that that, that advice is good advice, right? Because you're speaking to people that have walked in those shoes. So fundamentally, it's good advice. The reason why I think it works so well for this model is that, as you said, the community itself is made up of all these people that are more than happy to chat. The doors that I've found are just typically wide open. You know, if you if you want to learn more about what the options are and what the structure looks like and what it might mean for you, there's always lots of people that are happy to chat about it and help. For me, deciding search was the right thing. 50% of that was made up from the engagement I had with the community. Mm. And the community has a real, and I don't know why this is, but it has a real abundance mentality. Mm. Everybody in the community I've spoken to is happy to give up half an hour, an hour, have a conversation. And when I first started, I had no idea what I was talking about. And I talked to people who were you know, probably 12 months more advanced in their thinking than I was. And I was asking the most simple fundamental questions that now I think are simple and fundamental. But at the time, I was really naive about it. And they were really accommodating and really warm in their approach towards me being new to the community. And I think that made a big difference. I don't, I think if the community wasn't that way, I may not have gone down this path. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And so if you then reflect on your history prior to that point, what do you think it's been? Tell us a bit about kind of what you brought you to last year, like a bit about your career background and the things that you've done. And in particular, what are the aspects of that that you think led you to the point that made search a good fit? Yeah, so I started I started off in tech and the first part of my career was in kind of consulting with kind of tech companies like IBM and I did some work in Deloitte in their tech arm as well and then kind of broadly moved into corporate doing a similar thing. So that first part of my career was about 16 years and what frustrated me and moved me away from that was that it was really hard for me to move the needle in those big corporate companies no matter how hard I worked and how passionate I was about the project or the people I was working with, I just wasn't getting the the return for the effort that I was putting in place. However, it took me from realizing that probably took me six years to unravel myself from that corporate machine. And in that six years, I tried some startups. So I, I took concepts and tried to develop those with people that I had around me who are also technologists in the tech industry. And what I learned through that was that I'm not a moonshot guy. Um, The risk-reward ratio for startups just didn't fit my profile. So you have corporate career, you have kind of startups and tech. And then combined with that, a lot of my experience has been operational, managing teams and leading people, managing change, and broadly now what you would call digital transformation work is what what I spend a lot of time doing. So those types of activities fit really well with the search and ETA model which are looking at potentially traditional businesses that need some transformation. They need some external skills to come into the space. They've done really well, 
but to take them to the next step, they need a slightly different viewpoint and a slightly different energy level. So those things all kind of just ended up fitting really well. Um, I'm a, I like certainty. So when I'm looking at things, certainty is a lens that's in the back of my head and having a model like search, which has evidence, it's laid out, it's proven. You can get on the phone and talk to someone in Washington or, you know, in Perth or, you know, somewhere, somewhere in Europe and ask them about how this model's worked for them in this circumstance and get an answer. That's quite helpful for me. So I think it's a combination of the model gives me confidence and then my experiences kind of excluded corporate and excluded tech uh, startups as, as the approach I wanted to take and this kind of fit really well with that. Yeah, it, it's always a very important self-reflection process, isn't it? When you, like I think it, regardless of what career or what kind of pathway you're going to tread, it's important to reflect on yourself and be honest with what suits you and what doesn't and what you enjoy and what you don't and what you're good at and what you're not. But this one, to me, search and, and actually being that, that searcher right in that principal space is quite a personal thing, isn't it? And not only personal, but also personal from a family perspective as well. Because it's got that entrepreneurial characteristic to it, you really do need to be confident that it's going to suit you for an extended period of time, but also suit your family and the other people around you. Yeah, absolutely. So there's one bit that I missed out of my career, which is I started a financial services firm, a small firm. I started that from scratch. And that part has been the most rewarding part of my career so far. And when you talk about family, starting a business from scratch really impacts on your overall family unit because whenever you make a decision around your career, you're trading things off. So certainly I experienced that through starting the financial services firm and running. we run that for about five or six years and it still runs today. But if I look at search, some of the commitments that we've made as a family is we're going to move to potentially a different location. And I've got two young kids And while that is a little bit scary because we have community around children and family, it also creates this opportunity for adventure and a different lifestyle and things that we haven't seen. And, you know, my wife and I have had so many conversations about what that means and how that would affect us and whether we would be up for it or not. And actually, she's more bullish on that than I am, to be truthful. So having the right support within your family unit is really important. My wife certainly gives me that. Yeah, and, and being really clear from the outset about what the risks and opportunities are for that. Because like you say, it's not like I'm deciding whether I should take this corporate job or that corporate job, kind of the relative impact on – there will be impact on the people around you um, to a certain extent, but relatively small compared to the impact on the people around you of you going down that search path. And being honest with yourself and everyone else around you is pretty critical at that point, right? Yeah, and I think that's the important kind of trade-off conversation we had was what are we looking for out of this? Mm. So if this is 10 years of of my working life, which is roughly kind of the commitment we've made, what are we looking for out of that and what are we potentially giving up or what's the risk on the other side? And the things that we're looking for in my life, I mean my early 40s, we're looking for from a, a money perspective, we're looking for something that can help support my kids and my family into the future. Personally, you know, I get driven through passion and desire to learn. I love business and I'm really into business and people and operations and, and, and problem solving. So search is really good for that. There's lots of that that you have to come across in the search process. And also I want to be able to look back in 10 years when I'm in my early fifties and say, I'm really proud of what we've done, both from a, the business side of things, but also from the family side of things and how we've 
set up our family units. So they're very closely tied together. Yeah, absolutely. Jumping now to the point kind of late last year, so you've worked out that search is something that you want to do. You're trying to work out now how do you bring that to life. And one of the decisions that people need to make at that point is whether or not they're going to raise a search fund in order to fund their acquisition for uh, their search phase or whether they're going to do that in a self-funded structure. Can you talk a little bit about that decision-making process and, you know, what are the pros and cons? And, and we'll start with how did you decide to head down that path and then later on we'll get around to kind of what the path has looked like so far. Yeah, you might not know this, but I decided to go down both paths. <laughs> so, in December, I decided to raise a traditional fund and then I changed my mind in January. And so I think that's an interesting part because there's a lot to learn when you look at the research and the approach that other people are taking. You speak to people, there's a lot to learn. And at the start, I was very focused on probably the Stanford model and how that's executed. And a lot of that leads towards a traditional, raising a traditional fund. The things I liked about a traditional fund were you had commitments from a number of investors and you had people who understood search really well and could guide and coach you. And for me, the biggest risk is not the operations of the business because I have, I feel like I've got a, more experience in that side of this process than I do at the acquisition side. For other people, they might have more experience at the acquisition side and they're more worried about the operations. But for me, it's the other way around. So I was most worried about how do I mitigate the risk of buying the wrong business? And I felt like the traditional approach made the most sense for that. So that's, that's probably the benefit number one. Benefit number two is you get financial support in a funded model for doing the search. So you can pay some bills and you can pay for some staff and, and a whole bunch of other kind of costs associated with the search. When I started speaking to local investors in Australia who weren't familiar with search, which is the majority of kind of the local market, they asked me some really good questions and that challenged my thinking. They asked me questions like, why do you need 10 or 15 investors in your pool to manage a, a raise of half a million dollars? And, you know, if you do really well in this business, how is the structure work? What's the upside? And it forced me to think a lot more deeply about traditional versus self-funded. Ultimately, I made the decision to go self-funded, which means I'm I'm essentially paying for the search myself because I wanted two things. I wanted more control about the way I search and the deals that I look at. And it, it does mean I can look at a variety of deals that maybe don't fit the traditional model. And I wanted to learn, like I'm three months into my search. I said to myself, in six months time, I'm going to know a lot more than I do when I was making the decision about funded versus self-funded, but I'm locked in to this traditional model. And I felt uncomfortable about taking other people's money and not being able to make decisions based on, you know, six months worth of growth and learning. So ultimately that those two reasons just made me decide to take the self-funded path. It probably has resulted in me speaking to businesses much faster too mm. because I didn't have to raise the fund. You know, in three months, we've probably spoken to 50-odd businesses and I probably, you know, if I was running down the traditional path, I probably would have closed the fund around now. Yeah, that's true, actually. From a standing start, you would have spent a few months raising without actually getting out to market. So you can actually get a little bit of that under your belt in advance. And so, you know, how did you then attack some of the pros effectively that you were missing out on from the funded model, given that you went down the self-funded model? Yeah, the thing I was most worried about was 
could I could I build a network of investors? Because that's not the space that I'm from. The investors that I have around me now, who I speak to regularly, I didn't know them six months ago. I'd hardly spoken to any of them at that point. And I certainly didn't know them in any of the previous parts of my career. So I think the first part was testing whether I could build relationships with investors and testing the approach that I was taking and my background and my experience and whether investors would be interested in backing an operator like me. That was the thing I was the most nervous about and naive about. And probably now I feel the most confident about. I feel like I've got a good group of people around me. It takes time, I think. Like the advice I would give people who are starting and want to self-fund is build relationships with your investor network over a period of time. It gives you trust in them and then trust in you. And I think both of those are really important. So, so investors was, was one part of it. The question about whether there's money around to fund an acquisition is the other part. And I found even through, even through speaking with people who aren't interested in search, there seems to be a lot of capital around. There seems to be capital that deploys of capital don't know where to put mm. and search is an avenue to solving that problem for investors. So my mindset's changed a bit from how am I going to get all these investors together and how why would they give me money to actually I can understand the problem that investors have, one of the problems, and and that is how do they deploy capital and who are they going to back? And mm. if I can solve that problem for some of them, then that's probably enough for me to say, well, this makes sense to go ahead and do. Also, you know, in, in speaking to some other self-funded searchers, initially they go down the process of thinking, I want to do it self-funded, but I am concerned that when I go to raise the acquisition capital, whether or not I'll be able to find enough investors and capital, but they get a little way through their search, which is self-funded, and they're keeping a few investors up the curve on what they're doing, and suddenly they realize they're going to have an over-allocation problem by the time they get to the acquisition raise, right? Like they're suddenly thinking, oh, I've spoken to all these people and the word has spread and now I've got more capital that I know what to do with. How do I go back to all these guys and say that actually they're going to be squashed because over-promised around what's available on the register? So you can start to see where there might be appetite for those investors to come in on the search phase, even if just simply to square away their allocation with that particular operator. I certainly have a belief that this model can work for investors and the investors are interested in it. And the more people I speak to, and I keep a whole group of investors updated in a monthly kind of update, the more confidence I have. And like I said, it's only been three months into the search, but each month when I send out my updates, I get a number of kind of touch points with investors that come back and say, I'm interested in this. How's this going? Give me an update on the search, where you're at with different deals. And that type of interaction is really positive and really important, I think. So isn't that interesting? So you can still, I think it's an interesting point to take out that you can run a self-funded search and still have an engaged group of investors. Yeah, it's for me, it's critical. For yeah. me, that was the critical bit that was missing in how I understood a self-funded search in my understanding of it. So what, what I did was identify almost like a board of advisors, people who I felt that tr- trust is like a key, really important part because there's nothing, there's nothing that between the investor and the operator until you start working on the deal together. So advisors that I could, that wanted to advise that, you know, one of my advisors says, I kind of can't help myself, but give advice. Mm -hmm. So if you come to me with a question, I'm so busy, but actually it's just in me to give advice. I wanted people like that. So we've got a group of four. Um, I meet with each of those people once a month. So essentially I'm meeting one investor every week for the month. 
and they they teach me and I show them stuff and they teach me about what good looks like and what they're interested in. And then there's a group of more passive investors who get an update once a month, but then tap me on the shoulder whenever they're interested in having a chat. It's really funny because I guess there is a self-funded model where you fund yourself, not only the search, but then also you buy a business that's small enough that you can fund the acquisition yourself as well. And particularly that's quite prevalent in the US given their SBA loan structures and the high leverage they can get government backed. It enables someone to fund themselves all the way through the process, right? Whereas I think in other markets, including Australia, a self-funded search really does mean funding the search phase yourself and then when you have an acquisition to make, you go and raise funds. And so I think what what then happens is, which is probably a bit of a difference in this market to some other markets, is even as a self-funded searcher, you are still very much so building an investor community around you. Yeah, I think so. I mean, for me, that makes logical sense because mm. you don't want to have a deal that's really good and that and knock on people's doors for the first time and say, hey, I'm this person, I'm Michael. Yeah, uh, you've never met stuff. me. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but I want a whole bunch of money to go and do this deal because it's a really good deal and I'm going to be really good at it. I think relationship is a really key part of both a funded and a self-funded search. I think the ability to build relationships is kind of fundamental to the model. Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, quite a few kind of really committed traditional search fund investors that I've spoken to, they say that a significant part of their appetite for funding the search phase is getting to know the searcher and getting to kind of understand who they are and how they operate and what they're going to be like in it during that operating phase and really getting to know them. So then when the acquisition comes along, they're only assessing the business. They're not assessing the operator at the same time. They're just like, yeah, I know I've got the operator and they're going to be good and I know who they are and how they operate. Now I just need to see if this is going to be a good vehicle for them. Yeah, and I I, I, I agree with that and I think that is the same for self-funded. Yeah. I think in my, from my perspective, having and building those relationships and building that trust and belief in each other is going to make life a lot easier, not just during the acquisition but in the operations of the business. Yeah, great. And so you've been searching for kind of three months-ish now. How has that changed for you? Like, you know, day one, Monday, 9am or whenever it is, you first pick up your pen of your search and you sit down, blank piece of paper, right, I've got this. This is what my search is going to look like. How has it changed from there to what it looks like today? And how has your perspective or view of you know, your approach and what good looks like changed in that period as well. Yeah. I certainly started without having all my systems and processes in place. Part of starting was building that stuff out. And I think that's not a bad way to go. At least that's, I think you can, you can get started with just enough and then you learn and you increment along the way. So that's kind of a principle under which the search began. It just started with me day one and I'd done research into which industries I was interested in looking at. And then it was just a matter of researching and finding companies and doing outreach. So that first month, a lot of it was about that. Then I was really fortunate. One of our advisors was connected with a guy called Albert who lives, he's an, he's an Australian guy, lives in, lives in London. He's got some VC background. He came on board and he wants to do something similar. And he's kind of learning through the experience that we're going through in Flywheel Effect. So he kind of joined the team part-time. What that gave us was two people with different, slightly different views and ability to do a bit more industry research and a bit more company analysis. 
but then also start to look at deals and do due diligence on deals. And then we added a team of interns. So we've got three interns who are university students and they're all crackers, actually. They're all really energetic. They do a lot of investigation into industries and company research. So one part is the team. We built out a team with roles and we built processes under those roles and we have metrics. And each week we talk about the metrics. We assign priority and we manage Really, um, one of the key things to manage in this in this time is time itself. Mm, yeah. How do we allocate time? And it changes every week is the truth. So, that's that's one part. And then if you look at companies, month one, the deals are really small. Any deal, anyone who wanted to speak to us, I wanted to speak to. And it just meant we spoke to a whole variety of companies that really aren't a great fit. Month two was a little bit better. But month three, we're really starting to see deals of the right size and probably the ones that we've got on the pipeline are kind of two to three million dollars in EBITDA mm. in a variety of industries and we've got probably too much work to do. So we've you've really started to calibrate. That refining process is almost necessary, right? Like you're never going to jump right to the answer. It's almost like you had to start a bit wide, gather some momentum around some things that weren't working quite well, start to catch a few fish in your net that didn't match exactly what you wanted so therefore change your net <laughs> and basically then just continue to improve that process as you go. Yeah, exactly. And a really good example, when you do the numbers on smaller businesses, it doesn't match up against bigger businesses. Right? Yeah. Very simple. And a lot of people might understand this, but for me, it wasn't until I, I got into it, I did the numbers and I said, hang, hang on, these if you compare these two companies, this, one, this smaller one just doesn't make any sense. So you start moving your filters and you start pushing companies further up. And then you start seeing things that you like about companies. So, you know, companies who have the opportunity to sell into different geographic regions is something that I really like. Mm. So then you start having, you start building up a picture in the back of your mind about what good looks like. Yeah. I always use that phrase, that pattern recognition. Like quickie, you can build your pattern recognition capability, whether that's you or across your team, the faster you can then just churn through those as they come because you see it immediately and it, and it almost becomes that gut instinct. Yeah, absolutely. So, just before we wrap up, what would be, if I'm a searcher and I'm currently either sitting in a job or I've got a gap or trying to work out what might be right for me and I've come across search, right? So, it's you six months ago, right? <laughs> Whenever that was. Yeah. How would you suggest they best just to hone it down, how would you suggest they best think about whether or not a self-funded or a funded search might be right for them? And I'll take one answer out of the options that you've got in terms of what you can say. You can't say, go and speak to some self-funded and funded searches. You've got to, like, what else, what other filter, what other filter would you get them to consider from their own personal perspective? Because I, I do think part of this decision around funded, self-funded has quite a bit of a personal aspect to it as well. But how would you help other people understand the difference between a funded search and a self-funded search as it relates to the person actually delivering that that model themselves? Yeah, it's the question that has the most risk, I think. And it's, so it's probably the most important question to answer right, but it's really challenging because there's pros and cons on both sides. For me, I think where's the risk for it going wrong? So... Let's say you're self, you want to go self-funded, but you don't have enough cash to last for two years. Mm. Well, that's a risk. That risk probably puts you towards a funded search rather than a self-funded search. So, if you don't have the capacity to do that yourself, if you're worried about investors and you don't feel like you can build an investor pool, well, actually, maybe that pushes you towards the funded search, right? Because you know you're locking that in first 
and you're guaranteed to have those investors come with you on the journey for two years. Control and flexibility is really important. I think answering the question with yourself about how much flexibility you want in the search, the flexibility in deals you look at versus maybe what is a stricter set of criteria in a funded search is key too. No, that's fantastic. And the the other thing I really enjoyed in this conversation was actually some of those things between the funded and self-funded models that are actually exactly the same, you know, developing your investor community, going through the process of building a team, looking for businesses and, and kind of honing in that calibrated search. There's a lot of similarities that I think resonate regardless of which of those, those the two that you choose. Yeah, I think both paths can be really good. Yeah. And I think there's actually even a question before funded versus self-funded. Is search the right path for you? Yeah. And that comes a lot back to your personal circumstances. You know, in my experience at month two, I was a bit flat, right? I'm pretty high at the moment because we've got a full pipeline. But at month two, I was like, man, these deals just don't look very exciting. And we we're just getting a team of interns on. That was hard work getting them on. It was just it was just a bit of a grind. So you have to you go through these emotional ups and downs and you have to be okay with that being the case because in business it's exactly the same. Yeah. You're gonna have high times and you're gonna have low times and being able to cope with those personally and with your family, those are really key elements of what makes it an entrepreneur kind of last the last through the the test of time. You've really got to enjoy that journey, don't you? <laughs> You do, yeah. Yeah. And I do. I love it. I think it's great. No, it's awesome. Well, thanks very much for your time, Michael. It was great to have you on for this episode. And um, there's really some great content in there that I think will be useful for anyone that's considering search as an option. Awesome, Pete. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Excellent. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, please jump onto LinkedIn and find the group Search and ETA Australasia. You can also send me a direct message and I'd be keen to connect.